Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. I'm glad to be back. I uh, had a good week last week, but it's even more of a blessing to be back here. Uh, as was mentioned in our uh, bulletin, we do have our song and scripture service tonight. And you'll notice there's a, a little thing in there about that. We want to have the attendance of all of our members tonight, if you're able to be back with us. Uh, we have planned to discuss the future of the congregation. We want to discuss ways in which we can grow, ways in which we can reach out to other people. And so we want all of our members present for that. Uh, we'll try to do that kind of informally with our uh, meal tonight. Uh, just kind of discuss some of those things. So if you're able to be back with us tonight, we would appreciate your presence. Our lesson for this morning is entitled Overcoming the World. And this is the lesson that I presented at Rock Hill uh, about three weeks ago for their summer series. And it was kind of the idea for having a series on faith. Um, I wanted to include this lesson. The series that they had was Faith That Is Victorious. It was based kind of on the song. And we understand from the song that faith does overcome the world. But what does that really mean? It is through faith that we are able to claim victory over Satan, sin, and spiritual death. Faith provides us with the guidance of God and His Word. And we understand that through faith we are taught what is necessary to be victorious. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 tells us that faith overcomes the world. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What is the world? And why do we have to overcome it? How does faith help us to overcome the world? Those are some questions that we might ask regarding this verse and, and its meaning. What does it mean to overcome the world? First thing I want us to look at today is who will overcome the world? Who will overcome the world? Our lesson is going to follow along with 1 John chapter 5. We'll look at some different verses here. But one of the first things that we find about this question and how to answer it is those who believe will overcome the world. 1 John 5 and verse 5 says, Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We must believe. In Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, we read of the Philippian jailer here, and we read of, of the question that he asked. In verse 30, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. Romans 3 verses 21 and 22. 
But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Who will overcome the world? Those who believe. To overcome the world and be saved, one must believe in Jesus as the Son of God. If we don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then we might as well stop right there. There's nothing else we can do. As the foundation that Christianity is based on is the belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So if we're going to overcome the world, we have to first believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now don't get me wrong. We must believe. But the Bible does not teach that belief or faith alone overcomes the world. There's more to it than just believing. Believing should lead us to do more, to understand more. When we look at what Scripture teaches and, and what we're looking at in 1 John 5, we also understand that, that not only is belief necessary, it is necessary for us to believe, but not only believing, but we also must be born of God. In order to overcome the world, we must be born of God. 1 John 5 and verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. A few weeks ago in our Bible class, we discussed... The, the meaning of a verse very similar to this. It says we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Does that mean that once we become Christians that we cannot sin against God? That's not what it teaches here. We do stumble. We do make mistakes from time to time. Every day there's something that I realize that I could have done better. Or could have handled better. I realize things that I've done completely wrong. And need to correct. Does that mean that what is spoken in this verse is not the truth? No. Look at the rest of the verse. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him we can almost look at it as if we're on a road as long as you're between the lines on the road as long as you're in your lane you're doing what is right as long as you keep control of your car or if you're walking or whatever as long as you keep in control you're doing right. When you allow 
yourself to go in a direction contrary to the road, that's when you're going to run off. That's when you're going to leave your lane. That's the way it is with Christianity. As long as we're doing the right thing, as long as we keep ourselves, we will not sin. It's when we allow ourselves to be controlled by another or allow ourselves to lose control, that's when we do wrong. That's what this verse is teaching. We must keep ourselves in the way of God. And as long as we are born of God and keep ourselves in His ways, then we will not sin. We cannot allow ourselves to stray. But we must be born of God. In John chapter 3, Jesus had to explain the meaning of being born of God to Nicodemus. John chapter 3, let's look at verses 1 through 8. John 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. They knew of Jesus. They knew of the things that He was able to do. They knew that He must be from God if He is able to do these things. That's exactly what Nicodemus is saying. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus didn't understand. It's easy for us looking at all the scriptures and putting them all together. It's easy for us to understand what being born of God means. But Nicodemus didn't have that understanding. In verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It didn't make any sense to him. How can one be born again once he's been born? How can he go back into his mother's womb? He was thinking in worldly terms, and in human terms. But Jesus explained this to him in verse 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus told him, you must be born 
of water and of the Spirit. In order to be born of God, we understand that baptism is a necessary part of salvation. There's nothing special about the water that we're baptized in. But it's special when we come in contact with the water as, as God has set forth for us to do. It's what God does when we are baptized. Go back to the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. Now he asked what he must do to be saved and he was told, believe and you shall be saved. It wasn't a lie, it was the truth. Because if we believe, then we are obedient to what is necessary in order to be saved. And baptism was a part of that. And I believe that Paul and Silas, I believe that they taught him to be baptized. And otherwise, would we have verse 33. Acts 16 and verse 33, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Why would they be baptized? Why at that time of the night? Why not wait until morning? Because it was necessary in order for him to be saved. It was necessary to believe, but it was also necessary to be baptized. Mark 16 and verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. <coughs> he who believes and is baptized will be saved. We must do both in order to be saved. Salvation doesn't come until after belief and baptism. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Why? Because he who does not believe is not obeyed either. There's no reason to reiterate that. If you don't believe, you're not going to obey, so why would you be saved? You're not. Belief is necessary. Baptism is also necessary in order to be, to be born of God. Those who heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost were told to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. Acts 2.38 Paul tells us that one believes with the heart and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 and verse 10 we must do all of those things necessary in obedience in order to be saved. Believe. Belief leads us to repentance, a change of life. If you do not change, you cannot be saved. Belief leads us to confess that belief before others. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that He died for our sins, was resurrected to give us victory. We believe those things to be so. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And we are baptized for the remission of our sins. And until all of those things are completed, 
We do not have our sins taken from us. So faith leads us to obedience. That's a very important part of salvation. One must believe. One must also be born of God to overcome the world. That's not all. We also learn from Scripture that, that faith and obedience does not make us a child of God. Because there's something else that we must do. 1 John chapter 5. Let's look at verses 11 through 13. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. And outside of Christ we do not have life. But this life is given through His Son. Verse 12, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. One may believe now, and may turn away later. Just because you have believed now does not mean you have eternal life if you turn away from God later. We must continue to believe. We must continue in works of obedience. So once we've been baptized, that's not the end. We must continue in faithfulness. Repentance is an important part of being saved, but it's something we continue throughout our lives. We continue in that change. If we turn back, then we're not a child of God any longer. We must continue in the ways of God. Continue in that repentance in order to remain saved. The church of Smyrna was told in Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be faithful until death. We must continue in faithfulness. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. There is a reward, but we must continue in faithfulness in order to be saved. Faith overcomes the world. Belief overcomes the world if that belief leads us to obey and continue in the faith. Who will overcome the world? Those who believe on Jesus. Those who are born again. Those who are born of God. Those who remain faithful to God for the remainder of their lives on earth. Those are the ones who will overcome the world. First John chapter 5 also gives us warning of the sway of the wicked one. The sway of the wicked one. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Satan is referred to as the ruler of this world. Not once, 
not twice, but three times in the book of John. John 12, 31. John 14 and verse 30. And John 16 and verse 11. He is referred to three times as the ruler of this world. Does that mean that God has no control over the world? Yes, He does. But He allows Satan to have an influence. Satan rules the world through the temptation of sin. We are tempted in this life. And we must overcome. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 John 3 verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Satan is allowed rule in this world. But God, seeing what Satan could do, knew that a sacrifice had to be made. He sent His Son to die on the cross to overcome Satan. And we who believe, we who obey, we who are in Christ, will also overcome the world. It's through His Son that God destroys the works of the devil. Through inspiration, John warns us in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Jesus set a perfect example as we read in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Go back to Matthew 4 and Luke 4. We read of the temptations of Jesus. Satan tempted him. And yet each time he used Scripture, he overcame Satan. He set the example because Jesus showed us that in the flesh that he could overcome Satan. So we in the flesh can also overcome Satan if we are determined. If we learn from his example, and if we follow his example, we can overcome the temptations that we are faced with. Jesus understands our weaknesses. He understands our trials. He's been there. He's done that. He understands. And that can bring us comfort. We must also overcome Satan. We are warned of the sway of the wicked one. And we are warned to overcome it. If we overcome... And there is a reward. We do have a reward for overcoming. Go back to 1 John chapter 5. And let's look at verses 11 and 13 again. 1 John 5, 11. 
And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Verse 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Our reward for faithfulness is eternal life with God and His Son in a place that is reserved for us. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, or a lively hope, depending on which translation you use, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Heaven is a treasure for us to seek and find. Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, whether, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our treasure is not on things of this earth. We may have all kinds of nice things on this earth, but that is not our treasure. Our treasure is eternal. Our treasure is everlasting. Our treasure will never be taken or destroyed in any way. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But lay them up in heaven with God. We understand that heaven is being prepared for our coming. John 14 verses 2 through 4. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. The way is through faith and obedience, leading salvation in Christ. Through Christ we know who He is, the one through whom the reward comes. If we are not in Christ, we cannot receive the reward. 1 John 5 and verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true and His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Who will overcome the world? Those who believe. Those who are born of God. Those who have been obedient to the plan of salvation and those who continue in faithfulness. We must beware of the sway of the wicked one. He can lead us astray. We cannot allow him to have control over us. When we have overcome Satan, when we have done all of these things to overcome, when we do overcome, there is a reward for us. Eternal life in heaven.
An explanation of the parable of the tares, Jesus said this in Matthew 13, verses 37-43. through 43. He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Be assured that Satan will be cast in the furnace of fire that is mentioned here. Along with all who offend. The righteous, however, will shine forth as the sun. Which will you be? Will you cast your lot with Satan and all those who are of the world? Those will be lost in darkness eternally or will you be with the righteous will you shine forth as a sun will you do those things that will please God will you overcome the world the choice is yours to be made in order to choose eternal life you must be obedient to the gospel. You must be baptized for the remission of your sins and you must continue to live faithfully. Maybe it is that you've not continued in faithfulness. Maybe you need to come back and rededicate your life to Him or ask for prayer or for forgiveness for something that you've done. Which will you choose? The choice is yours to make. If there's anything that we can do to assist you in obedience or repentance, anything that we can do to help you to overcome the world, we give you the opportunity to come as we stand and as we sing.